Good morning. How you doing, Nick? I'm all right. This is a low-key intro. <laughs> it's very... Yeah, it's quite... Normally, we're quite, you know, ebullient, aren't we, we start Yeah, with. I think I've got my mic not pointing in the right direction, because I'm, I'm actually looking... You're not um, looking at me. I'm looking at a, a piece of old envelope, <laughs> rather than looking at your face. What's on that envelope, actually, Steve? <laughs> let's... let's oh, I really want to know what's on the envelope. Should the um, energy of this of Envelope. This oh, House of Commons on this envelope. Yeah, that's, that's not my envelope. That's your envelope. I know what that's from. I wrote to my MP... Did they write back? About a cycling-related issue. Right. Yeah, got a reply. Good. Well, that's good. Yeah, they were fully aware of my, my fears, should hopes we, and fears. Maybe maybe we should, like, not talk about ripped envelopes. We should uh, we should get on with the podcast. <laughs> Please do. Science Shed! We're in the Science Shed! Science Shed! We're in the Science Shed! Come on, Steve. Bunsen. Burner. Dollar. Machine. Internal. Combustion. Why do we need... No! Petrick, Oscar, Bay. Isaac, Newton, Transplanting, Nick, uh, how are you? <laughs> yeah, Nick's just had a cup of tea, so he's all relaxed. I'm tired, right? I was just saying to Steve um, that I have kind of a postprandial slump. I think a lot of people have a postprandial slump. With I reckon it's ten times worse for me than the average. So, person. so, so, walk us through your your average afternoon. So you come, you come back. You've had a bit of lunch. Nothing well, it depends do. what day it is, because if I'm at work, yeah. I've got to do some things, but I do them really poorly between about two and four. We've spoken about that before. Yeah, we have. I can kind of not, not think straight, so I can't concentrate on papers and stuff. If it's on a Saturday, I was just talking to Maria about that, Maria, my fiance. Fiance um, now. Congratulations again. Thank you very much. And uh, basically, I like to fall asleep in front of the telly on a Saturday afternoon after about two o'clock. Yeah. Usually sort of coincides with the football and sports starting. Have a little nap. And I reckon that I get, even if I have a nap for 10 minutes, I'm like twice as Productive. awake. Yeah. yeah so I, you feel I'm, like you need a little power nap yeah. to get you going again. Well, I'm just, we've just started podcasting. It's about, well, actually it's knocking four. So I'll probably perk up in the next few minutes. But That's I've got right. a cup of coffee in my hand. It's got a cup of coffee. I don't normally drink coffee, but I thought I needed it. Prior to the podcast, so I can be my normal sparkling self. Exactly. We, but now that we've, we'll soon have you back. Have you got lots of things to talk about? I've got today? a few things to talk about. Um, I've got a few interesting nuggets. All right, should we get on with it? Yeah. What's annoying? Steve. Nick. <sighs> I look a little bit stressed. He's just I'm relaxing. Not. Okay, Nick's making me dinner, which is very, very kind of him. But I think we're running a little bit of short on time, so he's a bit stressed about it. Yeah, Maria's doing it. Yeah, there. Maria to the rescue. <laughs> Thanks, got Maria. Got a beef, big lump of beef. I'm pretty excited about some it. Roast potatoes. Yeah, all the good stuff. Yeah, I couldn't get any Yorkshire puddings, but I think we've got some in the freezer. Wicked. We've got horseradish sauce, but I think it's from about 2015. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the type of thing you buy very often, is it? Horseradish. Got plenty of mustard. All right, well that'll do. Oh, Beef and mustard, good. Days. Oh, you lucky man, making you a roast, Steve. <laughs> Thanks, Dick. Anyway, so I wanna I wanna talk to you about something. So over Christmas, I was uh, you know you have a bit a bit of spare time on your hands, don't you? I was watching. I thought I'd watch a movie. Right? Right. So you know, like normally when you watch movies, uh, uh, like you must do it as a scientist. You sit there and you'll suspend your disbelief a little bit. Yeah. Right? But like sometimes there's some things that just kind of like they just irk you, they and you're like, and you're just like, you cannot have that. I'll have, I, I'll, I will accept that, but that that is too far. Absolutely. I want to talk to you about one that really Go annoyed on me. Right? What was it? Uh, it's about thermodynamics. It really annoyed me. <laughs> oh no! 
I don't really understand them. Well, you'll get it. Well, it's so I'm watching Iron Man three, right? <laughs> right? Dude, I don't. I don't mean to be like. Yeah. Um, pedantic, but Iron Man three is about a, a billionaire man who designs a flying suit. <laughs> yeah, a whole range of well, you, don't totally know, you, don't know, you don't know what I'm that, like. But that's the thing, Iron Man. I'm happy with flying suit. I'm happy with all of that, right? <laughs> but if you, I don't know if you've seen Iron Man three, of course so, I haven't. Okay, so in Iron Man three, the baddie is Guy Pierce, right? The, oh, really? The, yeah, yeah. Mike from Neighbours. Yeah, Mike from Neighbours. The exactly. owner of Bounce of the Dog. <laughs> Did you exactly. ever see Bounce's dream? Yeah, it was amazing. No, can you, I just you tell played you, that to me. I just want to let you know I'm responsible for that first appearing on the internet. That, you are because you, you put a call out to arms. I didn't went you? on. All right, I you got to tell, tell, tell the story. I was trying to story. Go on, tell the story. Let's stop my story and listen to what you. I was, tr- I was trying to persuade someone. <laughs> yeah. To um, that Bouncers had a dream. Yeah. So I went on a neighbor's fan forum, and someone on a neighbor's fan forum has got every episode of Neighbors. They dug out Bouncers' dream. Right, so and they put it on the internet, and, and you can Google it if you Google Bouncer's Dream. It's there. You've created, you've added to I, human well, I knowledge. Was, I was a pioneer. I was the first. I'm sure someone else would have asked eventually. <laughs> eventually, yeah. But it's just like discovering, you know, like uh, the the laws of motion. Someone would have done it eventually, <laughs> <laughs> but true. it still needed so Newton. You're saying I'm like Newton, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much <laughs> in the world of uh, neighbors. <laughs> clips from soap operas. Yeah. Tell me about thermodynamics. Yeah. Right. So he's a uh, so if you so. Um, uh, so he's the baddie in it, Guy Pierce, Guy right? Pierce, and his like superpower is basically right. that he's like he's like figured out a way of monkeying around with genes, right? Oh, right, right. And so like CRISPR Cas, like CRISPR Cas, exactly. <laughs> so so this like he can like transform his him and all his uh, like like um uh like henchmen uh, to a point that if they want to if they get shot they kind of regenerate they kind of glow oh, red God. hot. I should watch this film yeah. because it's like regenerative medicine. Exactly, stuff. you'd love this. And like, so when their arms fall off, it like kind of grows back like in real time. Oh, and awesome. You see it kind of glow red and heat. So anyway, they start. So one of the other things they do is they can they're actually generating heat, so they use it to kind of melt metal. So there's one bit where there's like one henchman he like destroys a water tower by heating it up. So he's like transferring this like red hot hand to yeah. like heat the metal. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, final battle, Guy yeah. Pierce. Like shirt off, massively like really red because he's like he's got all this heat in him. Right. And he's fighting Iron Man. Right. And in doing that, what he does is he like he's like in the middle of fighting, and I'm like I'm, again I'm suspending my disbelief. But in one bit, he like slices through, like waves his hand across Iron Man's suit. Yeah. Right. And there's so much heat in his hand that he like cuts Iron Man's man's suit in two, just like just falls off him. Well, right? that would that would tally with the earlier things you were talking about of him, you know, cutting through metal with the heat of yeah. hand. So, so, so I was like, also I was like, that is not possible, right? right? So, so that's what annoyed me, and I started yeah. thinking about it, right? So, so thermodynamics for anyone who doesn't know, just it means. Why did that annoy you? I'll, and not I'll tell you. Fl- <laughs> I'll tell you, because so do you know the, the first rule of thermodynamics is don't talk about thermodynamics. That's right, and the, the <laughs> that yeah, that that is true. Um, so the first rule of thermodynamics is that energy cannot be created or destroyed. Right? Uh, so yeah. the idea being that the energy is conserved. Yeah. Um, that you can turn from one, but it can just be transferred from one form to another. Yes. So, what? He had to do that. I had to like, you know, we do this in science every time. Right? Right. We have to create a model. We have to make yeah, some yeah. assumptions. So I, this was my, how, this, how this was me. How could it work? Yeah. So, so I said, okay, is there enough energy in a human to be able to like, or, 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 or how much energy would have to be in a human to be able to melt 
whatever Iron Man's made of. Well, thinking about it, in the Matrix, they used human energy to power all of the machines. <laughs> they do, didn't yeah. Didn't they? In little cocoons. But you can do it, right? You know how many, like, we eat about 2,000 yeah, calories. Watts. How many watts does a human... About 100, 150 watts. So it's like a bright light bulb. Yeah. So so it's about 2,500 calories a, um, a, a day. That's how much you consume. Yeah. Uh, two and a half, and uh, calorie is 4.2 joules. Yeah. Um, and so you can convert that and then you can it's work it out. 150 watts. So it's 150 joules per second. Yeah. So, what so that can get a light bulb filament pretty hot, though. You can, you Thousands can, of you can, degrees. You can, you can basically, your, your your entire energetic output could probably power a couple of... If it was of, focused into a tiny bit of a light bulb filament, it can be really hot. So... Burn your hand. So... <laughs> you could burn your hand. It'll burn your hand. Do you know, interestingly, do you know... Uh, so I'm going to get to all the numbers in a minute. I know oh, you're excited yeah. about the numbers. Yeah, um, so Chris Hoy, right, is yeah. one of the... Is the most powerful thing on... The most powerful human, right? What's he? His, his peak watts? output... Per, no, peak output. Right. 2,700 watts. Shit, that's a lot. It is a lot, isn't 2,700. it? 2,700. That's like a... That's like a vacuum cleaner. A it, really... A kettle. Or a, a shit kettle. A shit kettle. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Boardman is the most powerful kettle. human being. Yeah. Pretty so power here. So, we, so it's a bit confusing. So so power. We normally think about it. We use that as a kind of colloquialism, but in science, has a very literal meaning. Power is kind of energy per unit time. So so yeah. a watt is one joule, which is the unit of, of energy per yeah. second. Right. So anyway, I'm thinking. So I got annoyed. Just right? just taking you aside for one second. I was always very annoyed in Imperial College, which yeah. is an institute of science and technology. <laughs> yeah. On one of the lecture theatre doors, it says, "Please turn the lights off." They use 200 watts per second oh that would be annoying that would annoy me <laughs> right so guy pierce right we're gonna have to build i'm gonna build a model so i was like all right i'm gonna build a model back at the end but this is the type of thing that scientists do right so i'm like yeah. so what's 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 iron man suit made of right uh, i've got an unobtainium right it's not right? adamantium <laughs> so i said okay let's have a guess so i said um uh let's do uh titanium right Okay. So yeah. so I looked Light, up lightweight, lightweight, strong, strong. exactly. Yeah, so that's in bone implants. I exactly, think. and they use it also in like uh, so the famously the uh, 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 the blackbird, the spy plane. That's all made of titanium. Very Is light, really? very strong. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was made of aluminium. No. Um, uh, anyway, so made of titanium. So I looked up what. So, so then the question is, well, how do you work out how much energy you have to to raise the temperature of something? And that in science, that's called the specific heat capacity, right? Yeah, I remember um, that from school. Yeah. Oh, do I know? I wonder whether I remember. Is water like 420? Uh, 4.2 or 4,200, yeah. It depends well, on not, if you have kilocalories or whatever. a weird memory for numbers. It's yeah. disturbing. I can still remember the number plate of my mum's B-Reg Mini Metro in the mid-80s. It's funny that, isn't that? it? But like, why is that still in your brain and your brain hasn't used that piece? Like, I can still remember my, my, child, issues, my childhood friends' phone numbers. They're still in there. Yeah, no yeah. problem at all. Weird, Useless yeah. when I want to remember something useful. We anyway. should get a neuroscientist on to explain that to you. <laughs> should that'd be good mm. um anyway so titanium yeah has a melting point of um uh, 1668 degrees centigrade yeah right um and uh so like so so in order to be able to heat up titanium to its melting point it requires a specific amount of energy per kilogram um uh uh, sorry, so, so Jules, uh, so, sorry, you, you need to be able to heat Skip up. Skip to the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, so uh, the specific capacity of titanium is about 500 uh, kilograms per, uh, wait, what's the unit? It's uh, Jules per kilogram, per gram per, kil per kelvin, right? So you have to, be able to heat up this amount of energy to make, raise it one degree. Right, right, right. So, so right, right, Iron Man's suit starts off about 25 degrees, would you say that? 
right? Yeah. But then it's got it's got to, we've got to heat up the titanium to sixteen hundred okay. degrees. So you just say that's sixteen hundred. Yeah. So so we say that. Uh, so how much? How much? And energy so, but how much? How much that, that would be for a? So how much? How much is the the, the the suit has he got to melt? So I had a look, and I'm guessing about ten kilos of, of uh, titanium yeah, yeah. he's got to melt. Right? How much energy? So that is I did this for you. So we've got a kind of a delta T, a change in temperature of sixteen hundred forty three degrees. Um, the specific heat capacity is 554. So he has to make, um, uh, that's 9 million joules. He has 9 to, million 9 million joules. joules. And then I was like, okay, well, there's going to be some inefficiency in a biological process, isn't there? So I looked up the most efficient biological process. Do you know what it is? Ah, Off the top of your head? Um, most efficient biological process. Is it something that could be guessed? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, is it um, an enzymatic reaction? Um, it's... Uh, it well, kinda. Is it the is it the a- ATP um, synthase? No, it's um, it's uh, photosystem two. So the okay, uh, so it's close. Yeah. It's one of the one of the molecules on the membrane of a chloroplast. Exactly. Itself, so it's how so it's how how um, yeah. you know, very a- very ancient enzyme that pretty much yeah um, has been around for probably several billion years. So I looked up in the in the literature, found a paper cited eight hundred times. Efficiency of photosystem two is about forty percent. Shit, is that all? Yeah, and that's the most efficient thing we found that's in nature. Crap, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty crap. All right, so let's let's get to the so right. So so actually, it's, nine million. So that's just twenty gotta... twenty three million joules, right? Because of the inefficiency there. If we say it's, if we say it's as efficient as the most efficient biological process, so he could do it in a second if it was twenty three million watts. Yeah, that's how much. So, that's, so how long would it take so if he was five, Chris... 5.3 million calories. Boardman or whatever. 5.3 million calories of energy okay. it requires, right? Which is, a Mars bar is about 260 calories, right? So yeah. the energy required to split Iron Man in two from Guy Pearce uh, is uh, 20,460 Mars bars, right? Or um, if Chris Hoy peaks at 2,700 watts, it's 8,260 times uh, more energetic than chris hoy oh my god and so, so how chris, long because you could to generate that amount of energy how far would he have to cycle uh well so you'd have to just he'd have to be it. at his peak uh peak out, out for how above, long? so that'd be well it would be to be the 22 million divided by 200 so it take basically it would take him a long long time so it's thousands of he'd very slowly melt that suit and that's without into taking out exactly because it will definitely blah, 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 blah. cool right so yeah. so it gets more complicated so so because energy can't be created or destroyed right so it means that the human body has to be like has to be producing energy so there's no way you could do Dude, it i think you there's over, no way you could do it you know i <laughs> don't want to say the obvious but i think you may have overthought this <laughs> but no it's just weird how something's like so so iron man 3 there's plenty more load ridiculous of stuff that goes on in films probably in that same film no but, but I'm, no but I'll, I'll believe there's a bit of technology so iron man's got these little reactor on his chest or whatever right i believe i know it's nonsense but but you could pretend because it doesn't require you to to violate thermodynamics it does right so but it does really it doesn't because you just say i have a magic piece of technology right that that generates a load of power it's not magic it can't be magic because you can't magic up energy you can't magic up eight thousand fold more even if you just burnt the the human it's not enough energy maybe there's some process in the tissues, let's say, yeah. which allows nuclear fusion to happen to create a very concentrated form <laughs> of energy, which is somehow dissipated and prevented from damaging the surrounding tissues by some other magical thing. That you don't get nuclear fusion in biology, do you? Yeah, but you might do. <laughs> 
cold fusion people <laughs> they, talking about for a they long did, they time. They didn't like there's some you can have. And a, like, if you've got special technology that you don't understand, yeah, you know, maybe there's nuclear fusion in those bad boys. I <laughs> mean, stop giving them the credit or the credit to <laughs> They messed up with thermodynamics, so they mess with me. You need to get over it. Do you want to hear a funny story, Steve? Yeah, go on then. It's not really a funny story. It's a tragic story. Is it science-related? Yeah, it is. I don't know whether you saw this. It was in Science. Right. It's an article in Science um, about a student. Um, He's called Gustavo German. Have you come across him? Gustavo? The name sounds familiar, but I can't put... a doctoral student in a regenerative uh, medicine lab in Harvard. Right. Basically, something... Is this another story about someone being a big cheat a big liar it's got that in it it's, right, it's okay. a controversial story yeah so um he worked in the lab of a chap called lee rubin who's quite a prominent guy in the field of neural stem cells and therapies for brain and things like that and basically it starts off the so he's he's in his flat 1am his parents are visiting um police came to his door um, with an order to take him for psychiatric evaluation right. with a view to sectioning him. He's otherwise a totally normal, no mental health issues. Wow, before. okay. So they take him away on a stretcher to yeah. the hospital. You know, forcibly. He's got no choice in the matter. Okay. On the orders of Harvard University. Wow. To get mentally assessed. There's nothing wrong with him, this dude, basically. So, so well, wait, where does that come from? No one, you don't, totally the, crazy, the crazies don't turn up at your door and just no. take you away. So there's a long backstory behind it. Uh-huh. So this guy, he's a, he's a doctoral student in this guy, um, uh, Lee Rubin's lab. Yeah. And um, essentially what had happened was there'd been a falling out between him and his supervisor. He's a PhD student, he's a supervisor. Yeah. That had run on for a long time. And it culminated a couple of years previously in him accusing... The student accusing the lab head of um, making up data in a publication in quite a high-impact journal. And and so this was a public... It was an internal university thing. Right, okay. And it was investigated. Which obviously is a big no-no in science, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the instigation of this researcher... But people take those... I guess what I'm saying is people take those things very seriously, right? You know, accusations or something like that. Well, you lose your job and your livelihood if you get found guilty. Yeah, I mean, it's complete... jail, I mean... yeah. Anyway, so that's what he'd done previously because he he um, he obviously had some some um, he felt that it was correct that the guy this lab head had done something dodgy. Anyway, that that he didn't that was thrown out. There was right. no, no, nothing in it. So there was no mal- malpractice there. But basically, what what ultimately had happened was this guy Rubin, and this was proven by a judge. So this went to court. Rubin obviously didn't like the student after that had happened yeah um, nevertheless he was still working in the lab so he got other members of the lab to he he had the opinion that this guy was getting more erratic in his behavior right and stopped stopped coming to the lab for a while and he and some other people had gone to the harvard kind of internal affairs people and said we think he's not well we think this wow. student has gone a bit you know he's losing it so it's like so they got his lab boss got these people to go around with the suspicion that he was insane to have him sectioned wow that is a good thing so like if this you... was last year this is relative oh my recently. god so so basically if you you could just like it, it's just a really way of getting out of doing any work you can just get your boss sectioned or vice versa right <laughs> <laughs> i've thought about it many times 
<laughs> Maybe it'll happen to you with your 7 a.m. interview. Yeah, exactly. 7 a.m. meeting, sorry. Anyway, so um, it goes further than that, though. Yeah. So basically, because this has happened, he, he was obviously cheesed off that this had been reported. Yeah. Um, so um, he basically took him to court, took his lab boss to court. Right. right? And the judge upheld the complaint. And I've got, what was the what was the, the judge? To me, that's totally fair. If like if my if if someone if my boss tried to have me sectioned, I think that is grounds yeah, for. The judge found Rubin that Rubin, the lab head, was motivated by bias and revenge, not by a legitimate interest in keeping German Gustavo German safe. So he'd done it deliberately. The judge had felt right to try and get one over on him. Get him sectioned. Anyway, do you know what's happened now? Get, 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 Scientists but, are so... It just it depresses me, right? That, that, that they think that that's a legitimate way to behave. Rather than having a conversation, like, it's obviously going to be a man, man as well. It's never going to be a woman, because a woman would just talk to someone like a human being. And I don't know. But men, but men, <laughs> it's, totally just, sure but like, it's just come in and you just, you could just like have a, rather than have a conversation about someone's work ethic, you try and get them sectioned. Yeah. Anyway, so do you know what the upshot is? Right, go on in. So... Um, this guy, Gustavo German, has has to be given all facilities in order for him to complete his PhD. So he has to be allowed in the lab. He has to have access to, for instance, the transgenic mouse that he was working on. Right. All of the materials that has to be provided from him. Do you know what's happened to Lee Rubin? Who's the... He's got a restraining order. He's he's restrained from being within 30... Point th- it's very specific, some reason, 30.5 metres from him. From this so scene. he has to leave his own lab. He can't lab. be in the lab when the other dude's there. <laughs> so he has to leave his own lab. So when... when the other guy decides he wants to come in and do some experiments, yeah. he's legally not allowed to be within 30.5 metres of him. I like how specific I don't know that whether is. that's in a, in a flat circle or a radius. Or like a sphere, a D-dimensional yeah. sphere. Like two yeah. floors down or something. Yeah. But yeah, basically that's where it is at the moment. So Lee Rubin is appealing this um, decision. Well, I think that's probably fair grounds. Because he can't do his job. He can't, you can't. But then, I'll just go on holiday. That's what you should do. I don't know what the hell he's going to do. It's it sounds like it sounds like this guy. It Harvard, sounds like this guy so. needs a holiday. If you if you're, if you're going to try and section your student, you probably you're probably working too much. I don't know. So so this article that I'd where I'd read it, it's only, it was in Science only a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, and it's written by one of the journalists on an excellent website called Retraction Watch. Oh, I like that. Watch? Yeah, I love Retraction. So Watch. Retraction Watch is just looks for like really, you know tales of woe from science yeah. when things have gone politically up shit creek so the journalist who's reported this was alan alison mccook so um she's got a good scoop here it's a great story and you can look at this for i think you can look at it for free on on the internet if you just google gustavo german it's a fascinating story and it rumbles on oh really more well, to come we'll more see. to come we'll look back we should have an update in another year yeah all right oh well well, right, I suppose we're going to start sectioning people. <laughs> 7 a.m. tomorrow, Steve. <laughs> so, Nick, science, back in the Ooh, game. Oh, sorry. Here I am. So I'm back again. We, uh, we had a, um, a, a, someone that came to give a talk in the department that I thought I'd uh, talk to you about. It's quite interesting. Who was it's it? It's a guy called Ken Suslick. He's American. Suslick. 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 Yeah. Good name. Yeah. Uh, so he does research on um, sonoluminescence and acoustic cavitation. Oh, right. That's quite relevant to some I, of I know. That's what, that's what I thought we'd talk about it. Well, I, know, I actually, even though I'm about to, we're recruiting for a PhD student and that's sort of yeah. area at the moment, 
I know very little about acoustics. That's why you have someone you work with who knows about it. I know yeah. about bone and stem cells and biomaterials. He knows about acoustics. Educate me, Steve. So slick. So, so um, one of the machines we use in the lab a lot um, is called a sonicator. Oh, yeah. We've got one of them. Yeah. And, and if you, put, you use them to make liposomes and things, don't you? Or um, you, you can, so if you're working with any particulate suspension... Yeah. They can clump together very easily. Sonication is a way of um, ensuring your solution is homogenous, your colloidal or suspension is homogenous. So, so for anyone that doesn't know, it's basically it's like, it's like a water bath that makes a kind of high-pitched noise is what it what it does. And what it's doing is it's injecting uh, sound waves into the water. And what that does is it breaks apart small things. So if, we, if you imagine, if you had like a clump of something, you could, you could imagine shaking it. But when, when things get very small, you can't just shake it to, to, to disperse the particulates. It's because on a very small scale, if you shake liquid, the, what, what breaks things apart is the shear force. So that's one, um, like a liquid moving in relation to a solid. So like if you clean stuff off a surface... Yeah. That's like a shear, right? Yeah. And when you shake up solutions and you've got lumps of stuff in them, the water moving past them will shear stuff off them or break them apart. Yeah. But when you've got things which are really tiny, like nanometers in size, it's absolutely negligible, the shear that happens. Yeah, so if you shake it, it doesn't number, yeah. do anything. But I think when you use um, sonication, you, um, you cause shear forces or movements of things relative, liquids and solids relative to each other. And yeah. That, that can do the same job. So it's basically a way of mixing things, or what, shaking things shaking, up. Shaking small things up. Yeah. And so the way it actually works is, it, is you take a um, speaker um, that, that, that oscillates at about 20,000 hertz. That's the typical frequency. That, so that's that like it happens 20,000 times every second. Exactly. And so the human ear can hear up to about, depends upon how old you are, but about fifteen to 18,000 hertz, uh, kilohertz. Uh, so, you, you know, you, you can't really hear the frequency that the... But a dog probably could. You know, uh, yeah, so it's that's what that dog of, whistle is. Yeah. Uh, or those things, you remember those stingers? Oh, for to annoy children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. yeah. We did that. I went to a thing once, Ig Nobel Prize things right. at Imperial College, and they tested the audience. They played the noise that one of the stingers makes. So this is a loudspeaker outside yeah. a shop if you want to get rid of kids. Yeah. The idea is that only the kids can hear this really annoying high-pitched sound. And your average sort of conservative telegraph reading punter <laughs> can't past. hear it it just walks past it gets it's quite mean isn't it if we it, did that the other a, way around i think there was some human law, right yeah some violation yeah. or something but anyway anyway they so, played it in this thing and some people could so hear you it can imagine playing you can imagine playing sound into water but what they do at a specific frequency but what it does is um it does this process called cavitation in water so if you imagine if you like it take a propeller and you kind of uh, the, you submerged a propeller in water and you spin it really quickly and you like did a slow motion movie of it. What you see is at the tips of the propeller, you start to see bubbles forming. And that's because basically the propeller is moving through the fluid at such a point that it allows the, um, that you generate a region of low pressure such that a kind of gas forms, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's exactly what happens in um, these uh, these sonicators. And yeah, because you're really, moving the liquid, basically, when you're you moving the it. Yeah, exactly. You, you, know, you can imagine sloshing a liquid backwards yeah. and forwards, like just if you're in the bath or something. But imagine moving that faster and faster and faster, up to 20,000 times a second. And at that point, what you see is a bubble just spontaneously forms. And what he, what he was doing is these really interesting experiments is he was looking at those bubbles. And some of those bubbles have really interesting properties. So one of them is, is, is that what you can do is you can do spectroscopy on those bubbles. So you can shine light on them and look at the, um, uh, like, uh, the, how, where the electrons are and actually what's going on with the water when you, when you 
play this sound through it. And when you do that, um, you can actually measure things like t the uh, local temperature by looking at the ratio of some of these things. And the temperature that these, so basically what happens is you, you, you put sound through water, it forms a bubble, and then very quickly that bubble back collapses back, right? The bubble doesn't stay there forever. You just yeah. see a tiny little bubble. But in doing so, it makes incredibly hot temperatures, like, you know, on, on the order of, um, uh, it's like hotter than the surface of the sun when they collapse in that very small localized region. Tiny little area. Tiny little area. Yeah. And for a very brief amount of time. So for about, f it's, and we can measure this, right? So it's about five nanoseconds, a typical acoustic cavitation event. So that's 10, that's five billionths of a second that you form this bubble and then it collapses. And in that five billionths of a second, it gives out about roughly, it depends upon the conditions, but about 5,000 Kelvin, right? So it's about 5,000 degrees, which is, you know, hot, hot than the surface of the sun. Um, and then it cools in that period of time too. So the cooling rate is like super, super hot and then super, super cold. It's actually 10 to the 12 kelvins per second. Because so, there's so little of it. I'm exactly. Guessing. It's just a tiny yeah. volume. So it's a tiny little bubble that gets dispersed really yeah. quickly. Um, but you can actually do these like, it's incredible. that So you get these incredibly, so they call them quite often a star in a jar, right? So you can watch all these kind of bubbles forming and sometimes they give out light because the, the temperature is so hot. And it, uh, it, but you, but it's kind of strange to think about because if you put your hand in a sonicator, it would just be would, would be yeah. room temperature. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt. Yeah, but what you're, actually what you're doing is in the bubble, you're making these incredibly high forces, incredibly high temperature gradients, and 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 the cooling incredibly quickly, much faster than any that kind of cooling rate is faster than anything that we'd use in engineering at all. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and so you think about it, it's just a bath. It's, it's just interesting to think about that we take a bath and we just plug a, um, a speaker on the side. But actually, if you go and actually think about what's going on, that you get this incredible different world that's just happening on this tiny scale. It's so just if like, you were like a tiny little person that yeah. was like five nanometers high walking around, you're just constantly getting fried if you were in a sonic age. It would be like, I suppose it would be like an electric shock or something. It would just be incredibly hot for a, for a short period of time. Yeah, yeah, weird. It's it kind of weird to think about, isn't it? Yeah, it'd just be like, yeah. It'd be constant, like prickly heat or something, what it would be. I mean, those bubbles, they, they, there's a lot of applications of them as well. Like you can do things. So people, you can use bubbles to, to image stuff. Yeah. So like there's diagnostic use of bubbles. So you inject them into the bloodstream and you can image where blood vessels are because you can use ultrasound, you know, like in, when you measure a... You can look at a baby, look at a baby in yeah. the womb with ultrasound. You can use that to image bubbles as well because they're basically contrast agents. They allow you it's to because see. Because the, the, the sound doesn't travel through the air as well as it does through the liquid. Yeah, so, there's yeah. a big difference uh, interfaces. So ultrasound's very good at picking up um, layers where mm. one uh, type of material turns into another. So if you go from water to air, there's a very big signal you get from it. Right. So you can inject the bubble. And you can you can see tumours and things like that. Use them for. But people are starting to use them based on what you're just just talking about. Yeah. To um, for one one example is killing cancer cells. Right. So the idea there is you use um, sometimes micro bubbles. Yeah. Other times you can use different types of organic volatile organic materials droplets. Yeah. And you can actually make them vaporize. So you can you can direct um, ultrasound. Would you to call it areas. to a sort of specific area, and those droplets will suddenly ca cavitate. Like yeah. you said, they suddenly vaporize, yeah, yeah. turn into a bubble. Gives out a lot of heat. Can give out a lot of heat. So you can do things. So like there is to kill kind of locally the heat. The yeah, cells. you could you could you could direct the sound at sound of the cancer. Yeah. you can locally sort of cause that phase transition. Gets very hot. The cancer cells will die or something. Yeah, you can also do things like you can put 
nasty drugs in them so you can localize when the bubbles pop yeah. they release some nasty drug which will kill the cancer cells at the same time so, that's really cool yeah. so yeah so sometimes the people that work on it they call it um star in a jar because because you're making because they glow and uh, um it's exactly and they you know the, the temperatures we're reaching are that of the of the, of the star like the file of galadriel <laughs> frodo when all other lights go out use the file of galadriel Against Shelob the spider. shed and sometimes this is what happens uh listeners is that sometimes nick produces the podcast and sometimes i edit it together much and better when i do when it. nick does it it's obviously much better <laughs> but when he's doing it i'm a bit i'm almost a bit anxious when he's going to play that final music because i'm just like is this going to be the end or are we going to get some more oh well that's good though because then, it's exciting yeah um and that music will have just played for the people listening to it now and i feel yeah. sorry for them oh i'm very sorry for them as well yeah, well, but, you know, we'll be back in two weeks, so it doesn't matter. That's right. And if they've got any, if they if they want to contact us in any way, they can do it over Twitter, can't they? Yeah, they can contact me at the Evans Lab. And I'm Steve the Chemist. So uh, we're also now on YouTube. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel, which is basically just me uploading the, the podcast. There's a few of me doing some kind of non-new dancing in my pants. We should do that and just upload around. that. And I think what we're going to try and do in the future is maybe record us doing the podcast so you can literally see nick like you can see nick's face and my face uh, <laughs> i don't think they want to see that oh well we could try it anyway, anyway. till next time guys bye bye <laughs>